everybody's been taken by somebody in their lifetime. What do you do with that is the question. How do you move on after you've been taken advantage of? Well, today's show, Stand Up and Speak Up, is Dr. Tim McGinnis, who's the founding director of SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, interviewing me, a survivor, thriver, advocate of over 10 years of a relationship fraud. And how did I move on? Now, this isn't just about me, but these are the lessons that I've had the opportunity to learn over the last 10 years. And it's been extraordinarily extraordinary how we can pivot and make good out of something that was horrific. So join us today on Stand Up and Speak Up. It's a happy Thanksgiving here in the United States, and we're here to have some fun talking turkey. All right, everyone. Good morning. I am taking control again of Debbie Montgomery's show, Stand Up and Speak Up, for the exclusive purpose of having Debbie talk about herself. So prior to this, of course, we had the incredible introduction by Debbie. And so let me just say that I'm Dr. Tim McGinnis. I'm uh, director of and board member and officer of SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, Incorporated, a nonprofit crime victims assistance and crime prevention organization based in Miami, Florida, with offices in Monterey, Nuevo León, Mexico, independent office in Guangzhou, China, and partners and affiliates in 60 countries. Um, I want to thank all of you for joining us today and Debbie for being the co-host. So I'm going to turn this over to Debbie at this point in time, and she's going to tell us what we're going to talk about today. Thank you, Dr. Tim, and thanks everybody for being here. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our friends who are celebrating it today, and I am so grateful for everyone that has supported us over the last few years of Stand Up and Speak Up. Today is Thanksgiving, and I remember last year's show, I had Cooking with Kenny, and it was a really fun gentleman, a veteran that I met out in Dallas, and we spent the morning cooking, and it was therapy for him and therapy for me to realize that we have so many things in common with people that we might meet in a car wash, and that's where I met Kenny. But today I, I was just reflecting on uh, life in the past year and actually the last 10 years of what I've been doing with, with Stand Up and Speak Up and the Woman Behind the Smile. And I, I just realized, Tim and I were talking too about what has it been like uh, being the, in, the, in the life of a survivor, a thriver, uh, an advocate, someone that has moved on in the last 10 years. And how do we how do we describe that feeling? Because I know so many people that have gotten caught up in a relationship scam at the beginning just want to crawl under a rock and hide. And for me, it's Hallmark movies and, and eating M&Ms. But and I still do that, but not in the same way as I did before. So what does it take to move on? And this really this show is not about me, but it is about me because I'm looking at the things I actually wrote down the things this morning that I've had the opportunity to do in the last 10 years, which I would not have had the opportunity to do if I hadn't been in the position that I found myself those 10 years ago, 12 years ago, actually, when Lou died 12 years ago. Um, Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. To be brutally honest, do you think you are today better off than you would have been otherwise? Actually, yes. And I had that discussion with my youngest son the other morning because we were, I had written an article about being grateful for Thanksgiving and spending time with my mom. And Maddie and I were talking about how things had happened and, and we're not all going to live forever. So what can we do today that would make us a better person and who can we spend time with? And I had chosen to spend a few hours with my mom as she prepares, she's 88. So she's preparing one of her last Thanksgivings. And we talked about being grateful for the things that have happened. And, you know, I, I didn't expect Lou to die in 12 years ago. Obviously that was not in my plan. But even my youngest said the other day, said dad lived his life to the fullest for the 56 years that he was alive. And since then, the things that have happened to him and to me 
have been extraordinary. And the people that have come into our lives have really changed our lives for the good. There's no regret for what happened. There's been a lot of learning. And as we'll talk about today too, a lot of striving to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations and being willing to take that jump and leap of faith to do something different, to do something that I wouldn't have done before. I've gotten so much braver in so many ways uh, since this whole thing happened and since Lou died. And I really, I, I remember one of his best friends asking me right when he died, you know, who are you? Because I had been the kid's mom, Lou's wife, a daughter, uh, all these roles that I had, but I'd really lost myself. And, and I had to figure out who I was at that point and what I was going to do. And it was, it was difficult initially because I had so much to do. I was so busy, you know, running the company, actually from the very beginning, the funeral, you know, planning that and, and, and running the company and not knowing how to do all these things. And then the whole, you know, relationship scam. I was, I was busy, 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 busy for two years. And when that fell apart, I had to reassess again and say, okay, so now who are you? And I could have defined myself as that victim, victim of losing husband, victim of, you know, a million dollar scam, victim of so many things. And I think what, what kicked me out of that mentality was when I went to the FBI and they told me that I was a victim. And I just recoiled. I'm like, mm, I am not a victim. And I didn't see myself as a victim. I, I, could, I didn't have time to see myself as a victim. But looking back now, I wouldn't change anything. Well, I couldn't say that I wouldn't change anything. I'd love to have that money back at the bank. But that's part of what happened. So I, I've, I can't take that with me. I can't take the money with me, but I can certainly live with the experiences and take those with me. And that's what drove me the last 10 years to kept, to keep going. It was what happened and how can I make a difference with what happened? So I wouldn't change it. Um, I'm really happy now. I have a very full life right now. Uh, would I like that money in the bank? Yeah, but that money doesn't make me happy. That's not one of my happy things. So we all know what life is like immediately following the scam. Mm-hmm. Um, in those first six, seven months, it's it's all about true survival, being able to make it through that. But that's sort of a mechanical process. It's a bit like being in the ER. Mm-hmm. Then comes the real work. It's not that there isn't real work in those first six, seven months, eight months, nine months, whatever it is. Uh, during that hypervigilant stage, as as was brought up yesterday. But the reality is, that's like being in the yard. That's getting through that initial traumatic injury. Then you have to sort of come to grips with that identity crisis that emerges, which is what you said. Who am I? And where am I going? What are my goals? What are my aspirations? And I don't think people give anywhere near enough consideration to that transition. Now, as you know, in our support groups, we've done that by creating a separate support group for those transitional survivors. They've gotten beyond the ER stage. Now they're in rehab, rehabilitation, physical therapy psychological therapy, so to speak. But how did you make that transition? How did you get from there to here? It's really interesting because I was not part of SCARS back then. I didn't know about SCARS until after the very first huge newspaper article was written about me the palm beach post it was a it was several years after the reveal of the scam it was a not just a little article it was a three-page weekend front page article 
And that catapulted me into the media, which was a little frightening, uh, but I did get your information from the reporter. And I think I probably reached out to you after that. For me, it was realizing that the story was going to come out. And that happened when I was with my, because at that point, six to eight months later, I, I had to run loose company. I had to understand how to keep the, the money coming in to pay our bills. Uh, and, and again, I was working two jobs. So I, I was, again, very, very busy. And life was busyness, you know, not always uh, successful, but full of busy. And so I had to realize I, I couldn't run the company by myself. I couldn't do things by myself. I was very self-sufficient and wanted to be, you know, that woman that could do everything and, and be everything for everybody. And, and I didn't know everything and know everything. And I didn't want to say no to anybody. But what what when I when I missed one production with the company, because Lou did not leave me an office, you know, continuity manual, uh, I missed a production and I had to explain to customers that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I hated that feeling. I was like, okay, I can't do this by myself. Who can I bring into my circle? And that's when I realized there's no I in team. And I I surrounded myself initially with Women's Prosperity Network, which is my women's organization down here in Florida. And I put myself around, around women entrepreneurs and I went to them and said, I need help. I can't do this by myself, even though I wanted to. Who can support me in this and this and this and this? And I, you know, I... I was able to put a team around me, a team of advisors, my, my own little board of directors, but I didn't call them that. They were very supportive in everything. And that's actually when I first brought the story out in public was when I was down there doing a business thing. And I mentioned something to the girls at lunch that catapulted me into the woman behind the smile and the mission of write the book, get the story out, own it up. And then be there for other people because when I when I told the story and I realized the impact that was going to have, it was not about me anymore. It was about what can I do for that gal whose mother lost eighty thousand dollars or who was in you know. So that that I I was catapulted into that again with a lot of very supportive people kicking me in the rear end, but also holding my hand, and they're the ones that you know said. When when an opportunity in California, the California Women's Conference came out, they someone sent me a link said, "Hey, they're doing this speak off. Why don't you try it?" And I had to send in a video. It took me forever to do like a three minute video, but I did it. And then when I was called and said, "Well, we want you to come out. You're one of the finalists," I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, what am I doing?" And I flew to California and I practiced, 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 and I won it. And when I won that, and then was given the opportunity to do the um, the defining moments radio show on. Uh, oh, I'm just having this brain cramp. On ah, where is it? It's right in front of me, Tim, and I can't see it. Um, the uh, the radio show that I did on Defi for defining moments. Oh, on Voice America. Duh. Um, it was a 16 week thing, and it was extraordinary. Uh, it was for free too. They, I mean, they, I, it was my, my winnings. Uh, but it, it showed me at that point that everybody has a story and it wasn't a scam story might've been, but it was more a story about what happened in your life that was defining for you that you were able to, it might've been your lowest time that you thought, but what did you do to rise from that? As Catherine Hathaway would say, become the Phoenix and rise out of your ashes. And everybody has that story. And mine was unique to the relationship scam, but I, everybody, even my my friends that are the, the most financially adept and very successful as you know, money-wise, have all had a misstep, as Deborah Morrison would say, or a hiccup that set them back but they didn't stay in that down position. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to surround myself with people that have had those situations, but have risen from them and not put myself around the negativity and the naysayers because there are plenty. You know, if I had, if I had stopped it, that one woman that gave me that stink eye that, oh boy, you are stupid. Then I would never have gotten to where I was. I, I, I realized I wasn't speaking to her, that there was someone beside her that needed to hear what I had to say. And I only wanted to impact the life of one person. 
you know, once I was able to uh, own the story myself and realize that, yeah, that was a misstep. What can you do about it now? And then move forward. It was not about me anymore. It was about that one person that I was going to sit beside and hold her hand because I didn't want her to be alone. I didn't want her real thinking that, oh my gosh, I just made the biggest blunder in my life and I'll never go through this. Uh, and then we've seen how that leads to tragic situations and, and we can't recover from those. So it was just, it was jumping. It was, it was taking the suggestions of friends that had my best interest in mind because I lost friends from this. You know, when I started to speak out and when I told my story and some of the things that had happened during my marriage, some of my close friends just, I got dumped. And that was hard. That was really tough. I still think about it. Like, why, why did why did I lose particular friends from what happened? And I was told at one point later on that, you know, people come into our lives for a reason and a season. And it was time to move on because there was something that I had to move into that my, my old friends weren't part of and they didn't understand. So I needed to make new friends and put myself around a new group of people. And that's what I've really felt comfortable doing is I'm not the first one to, to speak up in a room when I walk in. I kind of go in and I assess, I look around, I do a little judging, like, what am I doing here with these people? And I still do it. I did it on a on a call the other day. I was speaking with a woman that's number three in one of the largest entrepreneurial CEO, C, you know, C-suite things in the, in the world. And I think, why is she talking to me? Until we started to talk. And I'm like, I'm just like she is. She's just had a little more success in, in her situation. But I've had different experiences than her. So she's looking at me going, well, she's got some incredible things. So I realized too that, we need to stop judging ourselves against everybody else and stop looking at Facebook and all these things where people look perfect because we're only going to put the perfect looking pictures up. We're not going to show ourselves getting out of the you know, shower with our hair messed up. We want people to think that we're together. Uh, but we, and we are, we are practically perfect in every way, like Mary Poppins, not completely perfect. So I realized that I was going to goof. I was going to make some missteps, but how could I impact my family, my friends, the community in a positive way from telling this, from telling the story, from telling the story, of, you know, lose life and his living with diabetes and the company and, and those things I, I was hiding from, you know, and I'm transitioning again, I'm going to make another pivot into owning the story of living as a wife of a diabetic and hiding from that. Um, people need to know that we've got value. Things have happened to us for a reason and it's valuable to us. We're not going to repeat some of the things, although we, I have, you know, you, you use me as the poster child of being a, a goof pot on, you know, some of the things that have just happened on Facebook or whatever. I've never called you a goof pot. No, my father does that, you know, but I say, okay. hey, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. So it's a good thing. Uh, but I'm the poster child because even though I know a lot and I've learned a lot over the last 10 years, I got busy. I got distracted. I clicked, you know, did the wrong thing. Um, it was valuable now that I've learned again because now it's something. And you and I talked about this. It's like you can't know everything. Even though we come into this thinking, well, I'm an expert on relationship scams now because I've been through it. And then I go to romancescamsnow.com and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I know nothing. And I'm overwhelmed with all the information. However, I have the opportunity to learn something new every day, either with the company or with stars or with myself personally. I do a lot of, a lot of personal work uh, in trying to figure out how can I be a better mother, a better grandmother? Uh, how do I, can I understand the love languages of my grandkids? And then I start looking back at how did I raise my kids and did they feel loved? And, and now I'm willing to ask them those things before I was much quieter about questioning, questioning how people feel. Cause I didn't like people asking me how I felt. I would just sort of skip away from things. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to own my feelings and as I've gotten older and as I've seen my parents aging, 
And then I look at my grandchildren and think, how would I have raised them or how are their parents doing things differently? Uh, or as a grandmother, what can I do to make them feel successful and not feel not enough? Those feelings that we all go through. I wasn't pretty enough, smart enough, skinny enough, all those not enoughs, which are all between the ears. Um, how can I impact them in a positive way? And what can I do based on the experiences I've had over the last 10 years? And I've had a lot. We were talking earlier about, I Googled myself. And we've mentioned this to people. When you meet someone new, do a Google search on them. See who they are. Well, I showed up in 12 pages of Google things today. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, and it's not everything that I've done, but it's my story being told over and over and over. And, you know, in Nigeria, even in the Philippines, in wherever. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I can't hide anymore. Not as far as that goes. Uh, not that I want to. I don't want to hide anymore. I want to be the voice of reason, the voice of experience. And I don't want to be the woman behind the smile anymore because I am grateful for so many things. And today being Thanksgiving, I can't enumerate the things that I'm grateful for because there's so many. And and even the bad, the bad things have turned out to be opportunities for growth in good ways. Interesting. You said you don't want to be the woman behind the smile. Yeah. I think that that's very insightful because if you analyze what the woman behind the smile actually says, it's saying that you were in effect hiding behind a persona. Oh, I was hiding behind a mask. Yeah. Exactly. That that's what it was. That was your coping mechanism to a certain extent, mm -hmm. a survival mechanism, an avoidance mechanism. And and you arrived at a point today where that coping mechanism is obsolete. And perhaps through the insights and the things that you've learned, you can guide people how to avoid wearing masks when they come out of the initial crisis period after a scam and they start really rebuilding their lives, becoming thrivers. It, it's so commonplace for people to put on masks and avoid showing their true authentic selves. Because I think at least my age group, I feel like we were taught as young girls to always have a smile on your face. All, everything is fine. You know, that F-I-N-E word, fine. I've got a friend who's got the acronym for that. I can't remember it, but it's not fine. And I know for me, I, I wanted people to think I had it all together. But unfortunately, what that means is people don't know the real me. And so I'd be put up on a pedestal. And right. then it's, well, how can she who's got this perfect life, perfect family, perfect everything, have done something so ridiculous and then crash boom off the pedestal? And they don't want to talk to you. That's not what it's about. And I actually started speaking up about that uh, at church and in other places where a lot of my friends were doing the same thing. They, they wanted people to think that their lives were just in order. It's not happening. We all know that, but we see it on social media. Like what's wrong with me? Because that person is traveling there, you know, everything's happy, everything's whatever. But when you really get to know somebody, you see that they've had the same trouble with their children that you've had, or they're, you know, a caregiver now and struggling with trying to figure out how to, take their mother's driver's license away without being the bad guy. Everybody's going, and I'm going through that right now. And I love my mom and I, it's, it's, I'm putting the smile on, but I'm also speaking up saying, this is the reality of what's happening right now for your safety, for someone else's safety. Again, this goes to everybody I'm talking to online. We have to be careful. Sometimes we have to take the keys away sometimes. We have to get off the internet sometimes. You know, I had to take a pause after that Facebook thing a couple weeks ago 
because it shook me to the core that I could be taken again and tr that trigger. But I read so easily. So easily because I was so distracted doing something that I was really having fun with. Right. And I was not paying attention, but it triggered and it brought back those feelings that I just didn't like. And I, I wanted to hide with my Hallmark movie and my, and my M&Ms. And I did, but I gave myself permission this time. And I think I interviewed a gal a couple of weeks ago and she said, we don't play enough. We don't give ourselves permission to be, to play like children. And I'm thinking like, that's so true because now we're like, just be quiet, you know, be quiet kids, stop running around, stop doing this. But I was like, I need to give myself permission to enjoy the things that I like to do. And it's baking. It's watching a Christmas show on November 1st. It's doing those things that other people might go, well, that's really silly. And I had called my hubby, my husband on this because he said, why are you watching that show now? And I, I shrunk back a little bit and I felt a little bit small at that comment. And if I, if I said, I like those shows, they make me happy. So I'm not going to have to, you're not going to have to sit there and watch them. I'm going to watch about 15 or 20 minutes and then record it. And later on, by, by the way, just to clarify this, the second scam that you got pulled into, which was a phishing scam. Yeah. It's important for you to remember that was not your fault. It's only your fault if you get caught with the same scam twice, but it was a different scam. It was a yeah. different situation and it just demonstrates how easily all of us can trip up. Not me, but others. Absolutely. And I see it all the time. I hear it on the news. You know, recently, uh, I think it might have even been last night, they're talking about how adept the scammers are, the criminals are getting uh, at, at doing those phishing attempts, at doing the, you know, now it's the Thanksgiving or the, uh, the, the food drives or whatever it is. And if, you know, if there's an act, if there's a human activity, there will be a scam associated with it. Period. Absolutely. And down here in Florida, it's the, the hurricane reparations and the, uh, the support, you know, that people can get, uh, it's, you yep. name it. it's so easy. And they, they, the news targets the, the elderly, you know, anybody over 60, but we see in our groups, it could be the 30 year olds, you know, those picturing scams. This, uh, the, the Facebook thing happened to one of our girls that was, we've interviewed before. She's in her forties. Well, what the thing is that I got a little miffed about is that she didn't say anything about it. You know, I immediately put it out to the world that this happened to me because if I had heard about it, I wouldn't have been so easy to help, you know, because right. I wouldn't have known, I would have been aware. And I think that's that's the big tagline for the woman behind the smile is beware and be aware. And the only way that we're going to be aware is if we learn things and if we seek to learn and realize that we don't know everything. We're, you know, we might have been through something, but it doesn't make me an expert, which is very interesting because in my company, you know, I've I've run the company now for 12 years since Lou passed. And for so many years, I called it his company. And I wouldn't do a podcast. I wouldn't do an interview about it because I don't, it's, it's a vitamin supplement for neuropathy. I don't have neuropathy. I don't have diabetes. I don't have sciatica. I only had that when I was. How, how long did he run the company? He started it in 2002 and he ran it to 2010, eight years. So technically you've run the company longer than he did. It's your company. It is my company. And that's where I'm making the pivot now. Because I realized that I was the woman behind the smile with the company. I felt that imposter syndrome saying, I don't know how to, I don't know this. I, I don't have it. Until someone recently said, Deb, cancer doctors don't have cancer. And they talk about it all the time. I think, well, that's true. I was a wife married to a diabetic husband, daughter-in-law to a diabetic mother, mother-in-law. And I've lived with it for 30 something years. I know what they went through. I know what I went through as a family member. We didn't talk about certain things, you know, and it's just like the scam. I didn't talk about things, but why, why not? Family members want to talk about what their family is going through when you go to Thanksgiving and grandma can't eat the pie. 
or can't have anything with sugar or it makes it uncomfortable because you can't go out for dinner because Aunt Tilly, you know, can't eat that food. So rather than make them uncomfortable, what can we do to learn how to either accommodate or find a different place to go to that all of us can, can go to. And so that's what I'm doing with the company now. I've decided now that I will be the voice of the family member, the voice of the survivor. And in the process, talk to the people that are directly involved, the guys and the ladies that have the diabetes, that have the neuropathy. If they're not going to do it for themselves, then maybe they'll listen to a family member that's been through it. So that's my pivot now is to own that I own the company, that it's my company, that it's my voice that needs to come out, that it's not from a doctor's point of view, although I do have my father, Dr. Jack, as my crutch. Dad's 93, though. I realize dad won't be here forever. So again, I need to own it for me. And but, I was thinking about the, the significant thing that I'm hearing, yeah. which is, I think, not only healthy, but very realistic and very truthful is this pivot that the realization that you've come to recently that you've been the woman behind the smile all of these years and that that was an emergence that was your identity crisis and your coping mechanism when you came out of that you know one to two year period after the after the scam ended but how it's become contraindicated, it's become obsolete, it's become as much of a hindrance as a benefit to you now. It's, it, it was a growing period. It was something I needed to right. do because it got me to write the book. It got me into writing, which I absolutely love. I, I write monthly for a, a magazine called Positive Tribe has nothing to do with the scam, you know, and, the, and the, that whole thing. It has everything to do with positive living. And, you know, I, I write a lot about my parents. I, I write about a lot, a lot about my life and the things that I'm really grateful for. And, and I'm always looking around thinking, looking at things, saying, you know, how does this affect us in a positive way? How does this affect us in moving forward as families and doing things that, you know, that I love if it could be listening to the lyrics of, of, uh, you know, or listening to Christmas music or listening to the Disney songs, the, the memories that those things bring back. Cause a lot of my stuff now, a lot of things I write about are looking at life through the eyes of my parents and the memories that, that I want them to, to think of. My mom is slowly starting to forget some things. And so I'm looking at things through her eyes. I'm looking at life through my grandchildren's eyes and then looking at my life saying, okay, so yeah, I live in this five mile radius. You know, I kind of have isolated over the last couple of years. I don't get out as much, but what can I do to bring joy to my life through writing, through working, working with people, uh, understanding different people's lives, lives and the experiences that they've had, but also choosing to not put myself around naysayers, not put myself around the negative, because that just, I had that once a couple of years ago with, with a survivor and she wasn't part of our group because she never would qualify. Uh, the life got sucked out of me. The more I tried to be there and help this person, the more I got depleted and I vicarious trauma it was awful for me yeah. and although I I tried to bring her into the family I invited her to Thanksgiving dinner and then she sucked the life out of the family I'm like okay I have to grow up and I have to realize that there are boundaries I had to learn boundaries with myself and my kids and and then strangers you know well that raises a really interesting point because our experience is that when people migrate beyond the immediate emergency room aspect of their of their recovery, they haven't been very successful at reestablishing boundaries. Most of the boundaries go out the window because everything they're doing is thinking emotionally. You have to think somewhat analytically in order to establish boundaries and stick to them. But the other thing that you raised, which is also really important, 
is gratitude. And gratitude is something that comes back into people's lives, particularly scam survivors, long after the scam ends. People are thankful. They say those words constantly, but they're not really grateful until they reach a point where they really understand how big of an impact it had in their life, how important it was in being able for them to, to survive the overall experience. Um, so I, I think that boundaries and, and gratitude are definitely a maturing of somebody who's been through that experience and coming out the other end truly. And you really need to have supportive people around you. I was very fortunate in one way, well, not fortunate in one way that my parents, I got involved my parents, but fortunate after the fact that I involved my parents because they were there with me from the very get-go. And I'm, you know, 10 years of, of working side by side every day uh, with my dad because he works with me in the company. But to also have, because they know intimately what happened and have been with me all along, even with the shows, you know, the format of the show was was done so that my mom and dad could could listen to it and enjoy it and, and learn from other people. Uh, all that has made me, I'm extraordinarily thankful and grateful for the time and the relationship that has developed through this with them and the kids. Uh, because I I was so private before, I rarely talked about anything. But now I I bring up things that for my parents might've been uncomfortable, but things that I wanted to know. I, like I've interviewed my mom and dad. It's, it was called an hour with dad, an hour with mom. I've interviewed them on their birthdays because I've just, I realized too, and it's, it's a little selfish on my part, but I was doing it because I want my grandchildren to know and to hear what and see their grandparents, their great grandparents and who they were and the lives that they had. I mean, I interviewed a gal the other day who grew up in Romania and here she's living in the UK, right? So she's probably in her early forties. She lived in a place in the country where they're under communism, where she had an outhouse and she used the toilet paper was made out of sunflower leaves. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know? So how grateful we are for the little things, you know, the soft toilet paper, little. Um, but the most important part is the relationships that we've, we've built. And I think so many times after the scam, it would have been very easy to isolate from everybody, from family, from friends, because you don't want anybody to know that that happened. And add that to the pandemic and the total isolation. I, I can see how people can go down that rabbit hole and never get out of it. Because for me, it's a, I have, it's very interesting for the writing. I have a deadline. It's usually, it's supposed to be the 15th of, uh, 15th of the month because I can write it. If I sit down and really crank it out, I can do it in four or five hours. So I have a little more leeway, but I do it with purpose. I have a focus and I, I, I love it once I, because a few days before the deadline, I'll be looking around going, okay, so what's my topic going to be? I know it's November. I know it's December. I kind of have an idea, but what am I, what is the inspiration for the, the article? And then I focus on it and I write it. I mean, if I didn't have the magazine, I probably wouldn't be writing because you've asked me to write several things. If I don't have the deadline for it, it may not get done because I have a lot going on and I have to prioritize, but I've prioritized the article in the, in the magazine against a free magazine called Positive Tribe and it's on positivetribe.com. It brings me great joy. And even though I may not, it may not be read by a lot of people, it may be read by a lot of people. But when I talked to Candy, my publisher, who also was a publisher for The Woman Behind the Smile, she writes back and she she's so darling. She'll say, Deb, I was there with you. I felt you and your mom. And that to me is the purpose for me doing those articles. Again, for one other person, but for me, it helps me to grow and, and 
I recognize the blessings in my life when I put them down on paper and then share them. One of the people on the call today, even though this is a show that's not about you, but is about you, uh, one of the people who is listening to this, we talked about on one of our support calls a couple of weeks ago, dealing with the topic of identity crises, reinventing who you are, how you view yourself. She was a person who was very much a biker chick for much of her life. And as a result of the scam, she made a decision to sell her bike. Mm-hmm. which in her particular case was a radical change in her identity. And almost everybody who goes through this experience of being scammed is confronted with one or more choices like that in their lives. Some of them make really good choices. They realize what's important and they, they shed those things that are no longer important. So, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about the things that you shed along the way that you realized were no longer important. Wow, I'm at the at that point in my life too, where I, where I am shedding a lot of things because it's interesting. I've been reading that book, The Five Love Languages for Ch- of, for Children, which is the five love languages, and it's the things that bring you or bring that person joy. For me, spending time with people is one of my love languages. It's not possessions. It's not uh, words of adoration. It's not those things. It's having a connection with people, which probably, it's interesting. I'm looking back at it. And we I talked about this once about the scam is how in the world could I have gotten so involved with someone that I actually never touched. <laughs> um, it was more of an emotional connection back, back then, but I love the physical connection and, and the, you know, holding my husband's hand and, and those, those, that's security to me now or having a hug, you know, I'm, I'm a big hugger with the family. Um, so the things that I've let go are the physical, the, the possessions, the things that are not, they're not going anywhere. You know, it's, it's the friendships or the associations with people that don't bring me joy anymore. Uh, or, or I guess I, it's interesting. Um, I didn't have any bad habits prior to this, really. Uh, I've just prioritized what's important. And and sometimes that's tough because you want to be doing everything and every. I've learned how to say no. I've learned how to not be so free in helping people financially because I was very fortunate, you know, that I was able to be there for friends that were in need. But I've also realized that when you do that, if if it's not a gift, it can ruin friendships. And it did. So I've learned to say that I would love to be able to be there for you, but I'm not in a position to do so right now. Uh, changing hobbies. It's just for now. You know, ending a show or doing something like that. It might just be temporary, but it's a pause in the things that I've gotten used to over the last few years. And it's allowing and giving myself permission to make the changes without feeling that's it. It's always giving ourselves permission to do something which will make us happy at that moment. Not self-destructive, but true happiness and joy. So what do you think is one of the most important elements of it's been almost 12 years, 11 years, 12 years, whatever it is. After that initial period of time, what do you think the sustaining power, sustaining force has been that other people can apply in their situations too? It's all about your story doesn't define you. It's part of who you are, but realizing that someone else out there is living your story, but they're living it alone. And I, I am a true, true believer in this, that the more we share, 
the more confident we become in ourselves, but the more joy that we'll have because we know, we know, I know that I've been there for one other person. And I'm not going to leave this earth with possessions, but I will leave it with the associations that I've made, with the friendships that I've made, with the people that I've surrounded myself with, um, feeling their lives in a little itty bitty way, you know, that we're in this club together and it's not one that we would have chosen necessarily, but there are some extraordinary people in our circles right now that have been through some horrible things, but together we are getting through it and we're thriving. And I love to see new members join the thrivers group because those thrivers are going to move on to being advocates. And by having more advocates in the world, more people are going to be aware of what's going on. And perhaps this will slow down, you know, maybe, maybe. One of the, thing, one of the things that I personally see that is so challenging for people who move into the second stage and try to rebuild their lives around it is the intrinsic fear that they carry forward with them. How did you overcome your fears? I have a friend who I uh, went to one of her, her experiences and fear is false expectations appearing real. And when I realized that the only Indeed. fear I have is bungee jumping and walking across a suspension bridge. <laughs> Which is fun. I, I, yeah, but I've jumped out of airplanes. I've done, you know, hang gliding. But those two things get my heart palpitating and I choose not to do them. <laughs> uh, so fear for me, being nervous is a form of energy. And I just have to reframe it. I have to, I, I've realized that there are times when being uncomfortable is the place I need to be in because it means I'm moving forward into something new. And sometimes I move forward fast. I don't want to get stuck in the, in the sludge. Um, but I always look back and say, well, that was really cool. Except for the thought of bungee jumping and suspension bridges. Um, but I guess I look at fear differently where I, I I, I really, it's between my ears and my heart. Uh, I don't normally put myself in fearful situations, but little things like that Facebook hack, you know, that it's not a hack, but the fishing thing that put a little bit of fear in me, but only that it made me feel more diligent in protecting myself. So fear can be good as long as it doesn't overcome you know, it doesn't overwhelm you. Fear is just an, a motivator for me uh, to challenge myself to do things a little bit out of my comfort zone. Okay. So uh, as we as we near the end of, of this program, what else would you would like would you like to share? I'm moving forward again. Not by myself. And that's the key to surviving and being a thriver is don't do things by yourself. I mean, except for reading a good book or listening to Audible or something or watching a Hallmark movie. There are a lot of people out there that we can learn from. And like the other day when I got a, well, I got a message from this woman, this high power CEO, she reached out because we're members of the same women's organization. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. And then I started thinking, what can I offer to her? I, I was doubting my own being. And then I, when I met her, I was like, well, that was really silly. I am just as powerful in my own realm, not in her life, but in my life as she is in hers. And if I really, if I really could understand that, you know, sometimes we need people from the outside giving us that, that coach to say, Here's the vision. I've got this tunnel vision. They see the big vision. And I think that's what I've realized is that we need to surround ourselves with people that can see the big vision of us because otherwise our lives are too small. We're just focused in on what we can see. We can't see the peripheral. We can't see the big picture. 
And and that's what I love about being able to open up and to to get involved in in new organizations and new groups and to realize that okay, you might want to sit back a little bit and kind of observe, but now jump in. Now tell your story. Now tell what your company does. And then it's amazing to me when I start to speak up, you get the power from within. You know, it's there. It's just hiding for the most part. And until, until someone, and it's usually yourself, you give yourself permission to speak, to stand up and to speak up for whatever you're doing. And it could be, you know, as, a, as an advocate for relationship fraud, it could be as an owner of a small business, it could be just being a daughter speak up in the family. You know, I've learned so much from my brothers by interviewing my parents because they're sitting there listening to mom and dad going, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I was like, you didn't ask. There's someone near Or you didn't listen. Or you didn't listen. But typically they weren't asking because you feel uncomfortable trying to find out about people's lives. Everybody wants to talk about themselves, but not in an egocentric way. But I've learned from veterans. I've learned, you know, I'm a veteran myself. I don't talk about it much. Most veterans don't. But when you start talking about it and then they realize that, oh my gosh, you're part of the club. You're part of the veterans group. You're part of this, the SCARS group. Now we have something in common and it allows us to open up and we shine. We just grow from, from sharing our experiences. We're not supposed to be in this world alone. We're not. It's... Ironic, I think is the word, that most scam survivors don't do that. Mm. They don't. One thing I, I, I applaud you on is you're always willing to listen. Um, I try to be that way, although I'm a lot more pig-headed. But part of the process of of thriving as you move past the the age of Aquarius, the age of the scam, is being able to put yourself out there, as you say, and talk about who you are, what you're doing, your life, your challenges, etc. So many of them just will not do that. And, you know, it's not our role. That's perhaps the role of a counselor or a therapist, but um, but we provide the mechanism that allows people to do that, to be part of a community, to be able to share their day-to-day challenges, their day-to-day experiences, and it's just not utilized enough. And I think that that's a critical part of that process of thriving uh, from then until now or wherever they plan to be. And it takes effort. It's not easy. And there are times when I'm not on those calls and times I'm not participating in things. And I've, there's one, my women's prosperity network, I've, I've backed off on, a, on many of the things and there are a lot of new people there. And I'm look, I, I observe from afar, but there are things that I really enjoy that I jump on. You know, I've loved the show. I love to do the writing. I love spending time with the family. Uh, I've got an incredible relationship with my youngest who we've struggled over the years, but as he's grown and I've grown and now we're willing to talk about these things, we laugh and we're like, so what can we do together now? How can we collaborate? And uh, and that's the fun part. And that's the thing that I really want to encourage this, the thrivers in the SCARS group is find something that really brings you joy and then put yourself around other people that enjoy that same thing. And then work together to bring in new people, you know, and to work with the SCARS group. We're not always commenting on those things, but if you have an opportunity to to tell your story, at some point you're going to be willing to tell it. And it gets easier to tell it later on because now it's not just you. It's not just your story. It's how can my story save my neighbor from having it happen to her? Or how can it affect the insurance agent's or the fidelity guys who are working with 80 year old women who've lost their husbands, who now have a lot of money because of insurance or whatever. How do we educate them to watch for the tell signs that there's a scammer coming into that person's life? What are they saying? 
You know, I've had the opportunity to talk to, to fidelity reps and insurance reps and say, you need that trusted advisor. You need that dating buddy. You need someone around you that has objectivity because as we talked about that, that amygdala hijack, I mean, our emotions just take over and we need someone to bring us back to the ground without annoying us, without making us feel bad, um, you know, without the victim blame and the victim shame. But we have to start with ourselves by owning a story, by knowing that it doesn't define us, that it's part of our life. Now we've got so much more to live for because right. we've learned something new. We've learned what's happening. I am amazed at the things that are happening out there and the scams that are taking place. I, I'm just like, how do they think that way? It's not the way I think, but it's the way I'm learning how to think in my own life. You know, so there's a lot out there. I've got my dad's, like I said, my dad's 93. I'm 64. I got another 30 something years to go at least. I figured 100 and I'm going to get twinkled. I got a lot to do in my next 30 something years. And it's not hiding behind my rock. And, and, and I love it when our, you know, our friends come on and say, what we're doing is important. And it is. Believe that. It is important. Speaking up and sounding the alarm on what's happening here is important. Putting ourselves around, you know, the, the new SCARS membership and the, the therapy that's going to be added is important. It's an incredible opportunity, one that I didn't have 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And that's the cool thing is to see how things developed because we're speaking up. It's amazing. And, uh, and I'm so, I am grateful for being part of it. And people may not always see me, but I'm there. And uh, I've been part of the foundation and that's important. What do we do right. now? How do we move forward now together? That's what it's all about. But thanks, Dr. Tim. I really appreciate you supporting me and keeping me grounded and uh, educating me. As, as you know, I never shy away from complicated, difficult conversations. You don't. And that's important because I would have, uh, but I'm much more willing to engage without feeling attacked. I, I learned this skill ironically in working in Silicon Valley at a company called Atari back 40 years ago, um, where no idea was irrational unless you talk to the CEO who had no freaking clue about what anything was going on within the company. But, you know, we proved that we were right and he was wrong because he ruined the company. But the, the point is, is that conversations are difficult. They're uncomfortable. And as you said, learning to be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation is kind of the cornerstone of radical honesty. And the more honest we can be with each other, with everyone, it, it is going to be uncomfortable for people to hear some of the things that we have to say. But as long as our intention is to be honest, rather than reproachful or disapproving, then, yeah, it will be uncomfortable for people to hear that, but it is what they need to hear. But we come at it from a very supportive position. It's almost like being a parent and telling a child something that you see is happening. The child doesn't want to hear it, but we've lived it. And at some point we have to say, okay, you don't want to hear it. That's fine. You can make your choice. You can, you've got free agency, but later on, they're going to come back and say, gosh, mom, I, I wish I had listened to you. And, you know, we've got great experience and not everybody wants to hear it right now. They may not be at a place where they can hear it. There are times when, you know, you'll tell me something and I'm not sure I want to hear it, but I'll sit there and I'll think about it. And that's the thing we talked about. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn. And then most times I'm willing to change or pivot a little bit. I love learning new things. And some people learn by listening. Some learn by doing. Some learn by, you know, asking, reading, whatever. We all learn differently. And so we need to be willing to allow the other person to learn in the in their ways, um, but provide for them the, the education, the information in a multitude of ways. 
And that's what we've done. And we do it through podcasts. We do it through webinars. We do it through articles. We do it through TV shows. We do it however we can do it. It's just a matter of being consistent, persistent, supportive, and helping them to realize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and life is happy again. Uh, It can be. It can be happier in so many different ways. And sometimes these things happen. I, I, I like to say that they happen for a reason. And for me, whatever has happened in my life, I've found a positive reason for it after the fact. Uh, and then it's a matter of doing something with it. So okay. thank you so much. I, I think we're at the end of your show. We are. So I will thank you and I will thank everyone who listened in today. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.